Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today in Health IT, 10 Observations and Emerging Health IT Trends, Part 2. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in developing the next generation of health leaders, Gordian Dynamics, Quill Health, Tausite Nuance, Canon Medical, and Current Health. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Hey, we have a webinar today, Delivering Better Patient Experience with Modern Digital Infrastructure. One o'clock Eastern time today. You can sign up on our website, thisweekhealth.com. Top right-hand corner, it has current upcoming webinars. We have some great guests on this one. Sarah Richardson and David Giambruno from Tivity Health. Chris Ackroyd with Children's Health and Cameron Llewellyn with VMware. And we just had the prep call for this. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things about modernizing your uh, infrastructure and your application stack and DevOps and SecOps and those kind of things. So love to have you there. If you get a chance, sign up and give us your questions ahead of time. We'll make sure that we talk about them on the webinar. All right. Yesterday, we went through this article from Becker's 10 Observations and Emerging Health IT Trends. This is from a bunch of CIOs that were interviewed by Laura Deirdre or were on panel discussions and uh, she has 10 takeaways. And just to remind you, yesterday, healthcare dollars are precious and digital technology spending is heavily scrutinized. Many health systems are still in the process of finding the right mix of in-person and virtual care. Number three, almost all health systems are having trouble recruiting and retaining IT talent and especially cybersecurity talent. Number four, patient experience has become a priority if not the top priority of CIOs and chief digital officers. And number five, a big opportunity for disruptors, including Amazon, Optum, Walmart, and CVS could be Medicare Advantage. All right, so those were the top five. Today, we're going to go through the bottom five, the next five. Number six, IT departments have to embrace a yes culture, the old culture of gatekeeping, what's possible, and turning down requests is no longer acceptable in healthcare. Instead, forward-thinking CIOs are changing expectations for team members to take a more open-minded approach and work with other departments to solve complex problems. The cultural shift might mean losing IT team members who aren't on board, but the organization is stronger for it. All right, this, um, gosh, this should have happened a decade ago and was happening a decade ago. Anyone who's saying this now, their culture is well behind the the trend. IT departments, it's not, that, it be, by the way, saying a yes culture doesn't mean you're saying yes to every project and every thing that's coming down the pike. That's not the role. It's not part of the leadership team. Part of the leadership team is understanding what is possible and what is not possible, what is prudent and what is not prudent with regard to the use of technology. And so you got to be careful when you say this, embrace a yes culture, because it doesn't mean that IT just becomes a doormat and everything that comes down the pike should be done. But it does mean that there is more of a proclivity to saying, 
how can we make this happen? If this is a priority for the health system, how can we make this happen? Even though this is very challenging and difficult, how can we make this happen? Um, my only concern with this statement is it represents old thinking to begin with. And what you need to do if you're going to take on this new level of thinking is essentially open the, the floodgates to the possibilities. Uh, it's brainstorming at a different level and saying, okay, we haven't been able to do this for 15 to 20 years. Are we open to doing something completely different? Something a little, you know, something looking at what other industries have done in certain areas or what you think the new entrants into the market are going to do. So anyway, this is the first one of the statements that I'm like, this one's it feels a little old and a little cliche for me. Um, but anyway, yes, we do need to have that culture. That culture should have been in place. Let's see, we're in 2022, should have been in place in 2013. So nine years ago. Health systems are transitioning to the cloud, some with one big move, including EHRs, while others are taking a more piecemeal approach. The cloud offers benefits for data management and storage, cybersecurity, and more, but not all applications are able to transition, which can make the process challenging, especially for organizations with significant technical debt. The ability of new applications and startups to operate in the cloud and integrate with the major EHRs is essential. Okay, so you know, there's a couple of challenges here. <laughs> Again, this one, this one I'm struggling with too. Because when I came into healthcare in 2012, we were talking about the cloud and we migrated our health system to the cloud. You've heard me talk about this before. I don't say it to brag. I'm just saying in 2012, we should have been doing this for all of the same reasons. The security model's better, the storage model's better, data management, the interoperability and integration. It's a better architectural model for where healthcare is going. But that was true back in 2012. And the reason we knew that was because it was true in every other industry in, in the year 2000 through 2005, right? So it's not new. So we are 22 years behind other industries with regard to our cloud adoption. And what's slowing us down is this, this um, these legacy applications that are the tech debt that they talk about in this statement. So. While this statement is true, we are transitioning to the cloud in 2022, and we are doing it in ways that we haven't done before. The EHRs are going up into the cloud. We've talked to several health systems that are moving their Epic implementation up into the cloud. Meditech has done a phenomenal job of rewriting their code to actually function in the cloud with Meditech Expanse. And I think it's one of the reasons why these systems are well ahead of where Cerner's at, and that shows up in the class rankings, because they are designed and starting to be designed around modern architectures. But it's also the the thing that's holding us back is, is the legacy applications. We need to rethink how we deliver these legacy applications. I remember one of the biggest arguments we had in 2013 in moving to the cloud was around PAC systems and storage of images. And the conversation was you could never do that in the cloud. And we did it in the cloud because it's just a math problem. It's just figuring out latency and bandwidth and what you can actually put up there. And then again, thinking differently, stepping back and saying, how could we deliver this? And with the technologies that were there, we had a caching mechanism so we could set up regional caches. We stored everything in the cloud and then we set up regional caches based on appointments and people who were coming in. So we could download those things in a, in a scheduled batch format to those cached servers but still, all of our stuff was stored centrally, which gave us huge advantages from a cybersecurity interoperability standpoint. Now, we did that 
with radiology. We did not do that with cardiology. I did not win that battle. So um, we had four cardiology systems, at least four. We may have may have had four to six different cardiology systems because again, you're, you're talking with the cardiologists and that was a significant moneymaker. And it was a, diff- a difficult political battle to win. Um, at another time, I'll tell you what we did and how we set that up for success in the future. But again, very difficult set of conversations. Number eight, CEOs and hospital boards understand the need for high quality cybersecurity now more than ever and are willing to invest in two-factor authentication, email protection, cybersecurity, liability, insurance, and more to manage risk. Health systems, large and small, are also increasingly taking a hybrid approach to in-house and contracted cybersecurity expertise to quickly flex up personnel during an attack. For vendors, a great under, a greater understanding of healthcare is paramount for CIOs when selecting partners. Just working in federal government security isn't enough. Um, yeah, I'll take that one at face value. That's that's true. I think ever since the script scripts breach, you know, prior to that, to be honest with you, we were looking at smaller health systems, and I, I still don't think we were getting the board's attentions. But after the scripts breach and the amount of information that they shared within the industry, I think people recognize that this is a serious issue, and I think we will be talking about the. Um, obviously the common spirit issue for years to come. I don't think we will have as much information because I don't think that they are going to be as forthcoming with information on what went wrong. I hope they are, and I hope they do share so that we can learn from it. Number nine, natural language processing would make a big difference in clinical burnout, but is currently cost prohibitive for many hospitals. When the technology becomes more mature and further integrated into existing technology platforms, hospital and health systems will jump at the chance to have NLP in exam and operating rooms. Um, I think whoever this is coming from needs to do a little research on the systems and what's available and what's out there. We've done a couple shows on it. Not only the nuanced stuff, and I understand when they're talking about the cost, they're talking about nuance. For some of the smaller systems, some of them that are struggling financially, the, the nuanced solution might be a little cost prohibitive at this point, but it, it is a very robust system. You can do an awful lot of things. I think the other thing you are going to see is the advent of some NLP on top of some artificial intelligent solutions, such as what we're seeing with Artisite and other things that we've talked about on the show. So again, I think this is a little dated. I think the research needs to be done. I think if you are partnered with Nuance, you can talk to them about different models and potentially get something that is, you know, cost advantageous for your system. And then finally, number 10, artificial intelligence still hasn't arrived in healthcare and there is a debate on whether it ever will in clinical care. AI is being used for automation and operational efficiencies on the business side and in the digital front door with chatbots, but there is still a lot of potential for meaningful AI in clinical care. AI shows the biggest potential with medical imaging and diagnostics, that's true. The technology won't replace physicians, but physicians enabled by AI will replace physicians without it. We heard there are also huge opportunities for AI-enabled robots to complete simple tasks such as hospital deliveries, similar to how robots are used in hotels, warehouses, and more. Um, Generally, agree with this statement. Again, I will say that 
you know, we, we've talked to companies this year, again, but around imaging, we talked to some companies around imaging that was really interesting, especially uh, mammography imaging and whatnot, that was just much more effective with the with AI and the physician rather than just the physician alone. And those studies have been done and have been proven. And so clearly in the imaging space, I will say the other thing is, again, I keep coming back to Artisite. I like the company. I like the direction. Um, I talk to health systems pretty often about it because it is probably the most revolutionary thing I've seen in healthcare IT since I've been in here for the last decade. And when I sat down and talked to the founder about what they're doing, how they thought through it, the technology they're using, the form of AI that they're using and how it's being developed and the platform thinking that went into it and the fact that each hospital can develop a new set of solutions that then can go back into the system and be used at other health systems. And it's, um, I, it is this, one of the slickest things I've seen in healthcare in the last decade. So, and I've been keeping a close eye, as you know. So those are the 10 things. I, I was a little harsh on these. IT departments embrace the S culture. Uh, I think should have happened a decade ago. Health systems are transitioning to the cloud. Again, should have been happening a decade ago, but it is happening now. This is absolutely true for the reasons um, that they mentioned, which are you know data management, storage, cybersecurity, and other things. CEOs and hospitals understand the need for high quality cybersecurity absolutely since scripts and definitely now since the common spirit attack. I mean, there is no, I mean, they're the fourth largest health system. Nobody is uh, safe. Natural language processing would make a big difference in clinical burnout, but is currently cost prohibitive for many hospitals. Again, I think they should revisit that and constantly revisit that because it is such a powerful tool for clinician burnout that you have to figure out a way to do it and do it well. And AI still hasn't arrived in healthcare. Um, I think is a little bit short-sighted and, and I think that we are seeing it come in at probably at the pace it should, right? We should do the, the same kind of rigor that we normally do with new things in the healthcare environment. Is it, you know, is it viable? Is it providing outcomes? Is it negatively impacting care in any way? Are there unintended consequences? We have to look at all those things when we're talking about care. On the flip side, I do think, you know, some of the solutions around imaging are absolutely there. And I think the stuff that Artisite doing is uh, definitely worth looking at. So those are the 10 items. That's all for today. If you know of someone that might benefit from our channel, please forward them a note. They can subscribe on our website, thisweekhealth.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher. You get the picture. We are everywhere. We want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders, Gordian Dynamics, Quill Health, Site, Nuance, Canon Medical, and Current Health. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.